Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist.
And now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg. Hi, everybody. Peter Greenberg here, and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London. You just never know. This week we come to you from St. Lucia. In the interest of full disclosure, my next guest is a longtime friend. I've been coming to St. Lucia for more than 30 years. In fact, the very first time I sailed in here, I was hanging out at his house with his dad. Uh, now I have to call him Mr. Prime Minister. <laughs> so but I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> the Honorable Prime Minister of St. Lucia, Alan Chastanet. Welcome to the show. Great to be here. Um, so many changes, and, and, and at the same time, not so many changes, right? What keeps St. Lucia doing as well as it does? Um, you know, I think that uh, in 2009, when the recession happened, um, we deliberately asked ourselves the question, what differentiates St. Lucia from everywhere else? And what is it that we're the best at? And, and the answer was romance. And once we understood that, um, we just started enhancing what we already had. So St. Lucia already had some of the most romantic hotels in the world. And I know everybody says that, but it's true in this case. Um, every restaurant you go to is romantic. All the villages are, are romantic. When you take a simple day cruise down to Souffre, it is romantic. Um, and we've been working on now enhancing that and diversifying, diversifying that a bit. So the term that we're using now is called village tourism. Uh, so the goal here is to- Immerse the culture. Yes. So it's to create um, opportunities for people to be able to interact with our local culture um, in a more meaningful way. And so it's to take these nine incredible villages that we have. Um, Ex and explain that. So we've got uh, Groselet. Um, we have Castries, which is really just a big village. Ancelaret, Canneries, Soufrier. Well, Castries is a big one. Castries is a big one. Soufrier is another big one. Yeah. Um, then you have Labry, um, You have Choiselle. Um, you have Viewfort, you have Miku, and you have Denry. And all of these are common in that they're all on the waterfront. Okay, so St. Lucia had all these wonderful fishing villages. And St. Lucia had a very rich history in that we have the Amerindians, we had the Americans, we had the British, we had the French, all influenced. Well, you had the French and British fighting it out for, for 100 years. Yeah, we, we, we changed hands 14 times. Seven times we were British and seven times we were French. So uh, the Americans were here during World War II. Um, so on the exchange of, of land for arms, um, and they had a major facility here in Viewfort. So the idea is to look at the history of each of these, of these villages and to take the DNA of their culture and make sure that the architecture, um, the arts and crafts, and the food are now re re representative of that history. And, pre and preserved. And preserved. So in very authentic settings. So the, we're creating a company called Village Tourism, which is like a franchise. So all, all the local solutions that want to get incentives or participate as a, a, sh a restaurant, um, a gift shop, or as a guest house, either Airbnb or just as a smaller guest house, become part of this franchise. And we provide them with the accounting systems. We provide them with the booking engines. We help them in sourcing um, towels and, and soaps. Um, we help them in their uh, interior decorating. So basically, we provide all the support necessary to make this part, this segment, viable. Part of a good experience. A good experience, and so that people can have an authentic experience in St. Lucia. So whether you're staying in an all-inclusive hotel or you're staying in a villa, um, that you now can go to a variety of different villages and have different experiences. Or if you come on a cruise for the day, um, that you can now take 
um, public transportation and go and spend the day in the village. And each village, we're identifying one or two marquee attractions in each one of them that helps now improve that overall uniqueness. So we think that once we've done that, that we would have really differentiated St. Lucia. So uh, Viewfort, which is where the airport is, we're working on a new cruise ship facility. Um, we're putting a new horse racing track in. In fact, the... Is there an old horse racing track? Uh, there was. Really? <laughs> Actually, where Sandals Grand was, uh, was, uh, was a horse racing track and where um, Rendezvous is, it was, the, was, was the original horse race track in St. Lucia. Wow. But the gentleman who's developing the horse racing track, um, in addition to doing the Medan facility in Dubai and also being the architect of the first Palm Island, um, his horse, Justify, um, he's one of the cool Never ones. heard of him. <laughs> Never heard of it. Um, Justify just won the Triple, triple Crown. Triple Crown. Yeah. yeah. You know, you mentioned about getting into the villages. Part of the definition of most tourists, I hate to say it, is they'll come to a resort anywhere in the islands, including St. Lucia, and they'll never leave the resort. Mm -hmm. You've got to figure out a way to get them out of the resort. Well, the, 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 the thing is, is that the world market has been saturated with resorts that could be anywhere. And you and wouldn't know that you were there. We're never. So, I mean, I was just recently in Portugal. and Which is so cool right now. It's, it it's is hot. Cool. It's hot. But guess where in Portugal is the hottest? Lisbon. Right. The city. Not right. necessarily the Algarve in terms of the resorts. And so we think that the two then start complementing each other. And in our promotions, in terms of, of showing this diversity and our tagline, let her inspire you, because we think that everything in St. Lucia is inspirational, um, that people are going to want to come out. So we're already seeing that even when people are all-inclusives, that they're coming out on tours. And we're hoping that when they come out on tours now, they're going to be interested in coming out for dinner and experiencing the real St. Lucia. Right. I, I can think of nothing less exciting than going to a resort in a foreign country and ordering a cheeseburger. And left to... An, a, a, a big supporter of all-inclusives, but left... Are you a big supporter of cheeseburgers? <laughs> I am a big supporter of cheeseburgers, but the all-inclusives do a great job of offering local cuisine. Yeah. And it's that initial tasting that hopefully encourages people to be able to get out. And, and they're really doing a great job in promoting all the different tours on the island. But like the cruise industry, you know, we want to make it that everybody gets off the ship. And the only way to do that is to make sure that the experience... Yeah, but get off the ship to do what? Well, that's what yeah. I'm saying to you. 50% are getting off the tour on the ship now doing tours. But the other 50% are staying on the boat. So the idea is, is that the town itself becomes attractive. And so being able to walk around and have a real different experience, um, rather than being the same experience you would have somewhere else, it, it changes. So, for instance, the Castries Market. We're about to spend $12 million on completely refurbishing the market. But supporting that behind it is the development of cottage industries. So single mothers who are staying at home, taking byproducts of the bananas and cocoa and coconuts, giving them that, those byproducts, and teaching them how to make artifacts and then selling it in our market and then having fresh produce. So you can taste St. Lucia, you can smell St. Lucia, you can hear St. Lucia, and you can feel St. Lucia. We've been speaking with the Prime Minister of St. Lucia, the Honorable Alan Chastanet. Thanks for sticking around, sir. What are your biggest challenges? Because tourism is your biggest GDP, right? It's, it's your biggest economic driver. You're not alone in, in, in the Caribbean with that. You're not alone in this part of the world with that. So how do you make it better uh, without compromising some of the principles that got you there in the first place? It's to try to stay authentic and recognize that it's that authenticity at the end of the day that's going to differentiate you. So there are obviously some basic things. We're building a new airport um, and putting in new protocols so 
basically these long lines and filling out forms, that's going to be something of, of the past. Uh, we're asking the question, why do you need to pick up your bags at the airport? So if I can FedEx my bags to my hotel, why and Excuse can't? me a second. You are talking to the converted here. I, I haven't checked a bag domestically in the U.S. in nine years. I FedEx my bags. Correct. So if you can do it for FedEx, why can't we do it for you? So why is it that FedEx has the magic on that? So why can't it be that you've already filled out your forms and you agree to let your bag be delivered to you to the hotel? And the same thing that why can't we pick up your bag and the next time you... you you're Wait, let me see if I get this straight. I'm flying to St. Lucia. Yep. And when I check my bag in, I fill out a form saying I'll see the bag at the hotel. Correct. Brilliant. Why, Alan, why don't you leave the show right now and just go do that, will you please? Well, we're doing that. <laughs> I mean, the other thing is, is that, you know, um, once you come through... Given that the majority of people are coming through uh, as tourists, why aren't we creating hospitality receiving areas? So that you, you, instead of now standing in long lines, you're going to a lounge, and people are coming up to you. And in addition to being processed through St. Lucia, you're also checking into your room. So, Mr. Greenberg, when you go to your hotel, this is what your room number is going to be, and here's your key, and have a great stay. So then you just You're checking in when you arrive at the airport, then? Yeah, c- correct. Why not? Why not? And that's what we're asking ourselves. So we're looking at things that... Has anybody come up with an answer why you shouldn't or couldn't? No. Other than it's just not been done. But, you know, there are some places that uh, I won't help promote them um, are looking to do the same thing. And I was really surprised. Um, The other thing that we're doing that's very interesting is we're creating what's called a tourism council. So everybody has ministries of tourism in which the minister is supposed to resolve all these problems. And you're speaking as a former minister a former, of tourism. And who can't. Not in charge of security, not in charge of the roads, not in charge of the airports, not in charge of agriculture, nothing. So what we're doing is we're creating a council in which all of these entities now sit down. So all the people... They're actually are, talking to each other. Talking to each other and all the people who are involved in the process. So the other thing that we're doing from a marketing point of view, which I'm very excited about, is we used to have the jazz festival here which got pretty huge. Like most jazz festivals, it became a musical festival. So we've changed it now into a summer festival. So we have jazz as a component. We have reggae next week. We had carnival. We have food and rum. And by the way, there's a real good reason why you did it in the summer. Correct. Because they'll fill rooms. Correct. So now what we're doing is we're having our endless summer festival. (laughs) (laughs) So literally every two weeks, there's a different genre of, of event taking place. But, and so either you're coming from one of the events or you happen to be here, and there's a world-class event happen to be taking place. So we're adding more than just uh, beach and sand or sun and beach um, to our, our product. But critical to this, Peter, is making sure that we as a country are receptive to those ideas. So it is exposing younger people to the business opportunities in tourism. and that we see As a profession and not just a job. Correct, but also for young entrepreneurs. So all the younger people don't want to work for people anymore. And so it's to explain to them that through tourism that you're now getting a sample of the world. So you have uh, New Yorkers coming down here, you have Bostonians coming down, you have Torontoans coming down, you have Londoners coming down, and that when you're selling them products, you can find out whether people like those products and you can help uh, master or, or perfect your product. Once you've done that, now you can sell the product online knowing that there are already people who have been raving about this. So, for instance, Corona beer. You know, if there wasn't 34 million Americans going a year, would they have ever been exposed to Corona beer? My chairman's rum. So it's to take our top products and to make sure that they're being exposed. So a great example, I'm sure you've tasted our incredible um, hot sauce, uh, pepper sauce we have here. Yes. But the problem is you only have the one big bottle. So most of the hoteliers take it out of the big bottle and put it into smaller dispensers that have no labeling on it. So that was the genius of Tabasco sauce. 
is they've got the little bottles that they put But it's on. got the label. It's got the label. So it means that now I can, I can associate that taste with a, with, a, a, with a picture, which is branding, and now it's easy for me to go online and order it because there's nothing that's preventing you from being able to do that. But people must know that that product exists first. Now, you mentioned visitors from Boston, New York, Toronto, and London. Mm-hmm. That's essentially Northeast in Europe. Mm-hmm. What about the rest of America? That, it becomes an airlift problem. Well, it's an airlift problem, but it's also in terms of size. I keep saying that the Caribbean um, has not even begun to uh, benefit from tourism. So if we asked 100 Americans to close their eyes and say where would they want to go on vacation, statistically, 90% of those people think of the Caribbean, yet only 1.5% of them ever make it to the Caribbean. So the question becomes, how do we narrow that gap from the aspiration to actually happening, which is airlift. Yeah. But also airlift is about capacity. You know, St. Lucia gets, I want every American who's come here to know, only one of 160,000 Americans who come to St. Lucia a year. That's it. That's it. That's it. So are the, you telling me that you want to keep it that, that number? I don't want to keep it that number, but even if I was to double that number, it's still an <laughs> insignificant number. But the fact is, is that economies of scale dictate that you're only going to get airlift out of critical cities that you can fill one flight or eventually two flights. And that's how ultimately that competition will grow. So St. Lucia right now, uh, we have about 2,000 new hotel rooms uh, coming on stream in St. Lucia. So Sandals is expanding. We have brands like Fairmont and AM Resorts coming in here. Um, they have Hilton um, also looking to expand in St. Lucia. And there are some other brands I'm not allowed to say yet, but some pretty exciting brands coming into the destination. Ritz-Carlton? I, I can't I say I can't yet. say. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact is we have some really exciting brands coming into St. Lucia. Um, and by going to 6,000 hotel rooms, it's really now to be able to broaden that experience, uh, that access to the market. So right now, 60% of our business comes from the tri-state, like everywhere in the Caribbean. So right. even for Jamaica... Jamaica gets around 750,000 visitors from the tri-state. You know, there, there was a time when Air Jamaica flew nonstop from Los Angeles to Montego Bay. Correct, and then onwards to the Eastern Caribbean. And guess what happened? They canceled the flight. Well, because Air Jamaica had a little cup problems. Yeah, but they also didn't promote it in such a way that people in the United States even knew where Jamaica was. You know, but I would say to you, Air Jamaica really helped um, launch the Montego Bay airport, what yes. it is known today, because yeah. it was really dead. Yeah. And I think that we went into Phoenix. Um, we went into L.A., as you pointed out. We went into Houston. Um, we were up in uh, Boston. Um, we went up into London, Manchester. I mean, Air Jamaica really went into markets that Jamaica was never known. Yeah. And now that it left, those that vacuum, that market is being filled by now other carriers. And I think, you know, I, I don't want to really big them up more than any other airline. But the airline, I think, that's going to make the biggest difference in the Caribbean is going to be Southwest. Because Southwest is genuinely a low-cost carrier. So the, the people who are supporters of Southwest, regardless of whether Southwest has a monopoly on a particular route, expect Southwest to be of a particular price. Should there be a rapid change in cabin pressure, oxygen masks will automatically drop from the compartment above your seat, free of charge. And to start the flow of oxygen, pay your flight attendant $75.63. One of the things that I, I always love, uh, one of the great quotes, if you, if you can't remember the past, you're doomed to repeat it. Uh, my next guest knows all about the past, and he's not going to repeat it. 
but he's going to talk to us about it because he's the author of A History of St. Lucia. Guy Ellis, how are you? Thank you very much. Fine. I mean, I've, I've done my basic research here. I've done my basic history uh, about how many people fought over this island uh, between the British and the French and the French and the British and the British and the French. I could go on seven times because they did it 14 times, right? That's right. Um, and most Americans, believe it or not, are geographically ignorant. We don't even know where St. Louis is, let alone St. Lucia. Um, so trying to come up with where it is and what it means are two big challenges, aren't they? Yes, that's, that's right. Um, St. Lucia is basically uh, in the arc, in the Caribbean arc, the arc of Caribbean islands, um, stretching from north to south. It's about four hours by plane from Miami. Um, so we consider ourselves on the doorstep of America, really. So that tells you we are pretty close. Well, or close enough. Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> but other than geographic position, culturally, you're a million miles away if you really want to think about it. Yes. Um, I'm, not sure, I, I'm not sure what, what the mileage is, but um, culturally, I, I, I think we, we are so close that we are usually impacted by, by whatever goes on uh, up in the U.S., um, there are times, for instance, when our tourism, which is our main economic activity, can suffer as a result of uh, developments taking place up in the U.S. Well, obviously, you go back to 2008, 2009, that's, the economic crisis. That's the Every, most recent example. Everybody yes. got hit. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. We have a, a reverse of that right now in the United States mm -hmm. where foreign arrivals are, are down, mm -hmm. not because of the economy, mm -hmm. but because of the perception of the U.S. as being unwelcoming inhospitable and closed, yeah. um, which goes back to another time not too long ago, but right after 9-11, the same thing. We had a lost decade there where people just didn't want to come. Mm -hmm. they, were, they were afraid. Yeah. And even if you could look at, the, at the, the actual wording of the Trump ban that was approved or, or upheld by the Supreme Court, it doesn't really affect that many people when you think about how many Muslims are traveling to the United States. Sure. But the optics of it, are so intense yeah. that we're talking drop-offs of between 7 and 10, or actually 7 and 11 percent mm -hmm. of foreign arrivals basically saying, we don't want to go there because we're scared. Yeah, sure. Right? Yeah, very true. But um, we must make the point also that um, despite all what we have said, um, there are thousands of St. Lucians who live up in the States. And um, Wait a minute, we let you in? Yes. <laughs> there are thousands. You got in before the wall. Yeah. Okay. Well, long before the wall. And actually, there are many centers in places like New York and Miami where there are thousands of St. Lucians living. It is generally believed that there are more St. Lucians living in the States than there are right here on, on the island. Well, we're going to stop that right now. <laughs> I've had it. Also, also um, culturally. Well, wait, wait, stop right sorry, now. Sorry. So you can, you can actually recommend to me some really cool St. Lucian restaurants. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I, in the U.S. Oh, in the U.S. <laughs> um, not really. Well, we got to find, we got, well, you know somebody who can because they're all there. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was saying culturally also, um, there is this, um, the United States is our main tourism market. A third of all our visitors come from the U.S. So the ties between the U.S. and St. Lucia are pretty strong. But, okay, given that, I think one of your challenges is, is to preserve your culture so it doesn't become Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yes, that has been a challenge. That will always be a challenge. And um, I remember in the, in the 1980s when satellite television first came to St. Lucia, there was a serious fear that 
the cultural values of America would penetrate our country. As a matter of fact, um, I, I must say to some extent this has actually happened. Um, we see St. Lucians more and more longing for the values and, 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 and the practices they see on television, for one. And even in terms of what we eat, you know, we go to the supermarket and what we're looking for are the things we see on television. Like? Well, the various brands of cereal, for instance, <laughs> you know? And, um, are you telling me there are Fruit Loops in St. Lucia? <laughs> Let's talk bananas, mm -hmm. because that's a big deal. Yes, it is. Tell me. Okay, um, bananas was one time our main economic activity. Um, in 1991, for instance, we exported a record 133,000 tons of bananas to Europe. But that development um, started a sort of backward, uh, a, a trek backwards, because the U European Union devised new market conditions in 1993, which seriously affected all banana producers, especially in our... They wanted to protect the their world. own growers. Yes, they wanted to protect their own. So quality became a serious issue. The new requirements were so stringent that our growers found it difficult to finance the ch changes which were required. As a matter of fact, as, as a result of that, a number of them decided to opt out of, of, the, of the industry. But bananas has been a serious success story for St. Lucia while it reigned supreme. Bananas actually changed the economic and social landscape of St. Lucia between rural people and town people. Um, as a matter of fact, it was commonly said, the growers in the rural areas were often heard saying, today, all men are equal. This is what bananas did. So you're saying the bananas were the great equalizer? Yes, great equalizer, yes. It elevated the farmers. That's right. And um, you, if you drive through the rural areas, you'll see houses and, and, and amenities in those areas that are on par with what you there see. There were banana barons. That's right. Yes, they were. Like coal was to Cardiff and Wales. That's right. Bananas to yes. St. Lucia. Yes. Yeah. So now... What's, you're still doing bananas. We're still doing bananas, but but, what's, but it's tourism mostly now. Yes, it's, it's tourism. Um, the conditions which I, sp I spoke about drove a lot of growers out of the industry. Where at one time we had about 10,000 banana growers, we ended up with just a few uh, uh, hundred. hundred after just a few years. So people lost interest. Lately, there has been an effort to recreate or, or, or revive interest in it. It's a slow process back. Bananas would never become the green gold we used to call it one time. It will never become the green gold again. But it's perceived that there is still a market for it. And so an attempt is being made to revive it. Well, let's talk about the other kind of gold, travel and tourism. Mm -hmm. That is your main GDP deal. Yes. And the challenge that has to be here, Fruit Loops notwithstanding, mm -hmm. is how do you maintain the quality of the experience? Yes. That this is something that has been a, a challenge also because you must bear in mind that a little country like St. Lucia has very limited resources, especially financial resources. And so we cannot spend money on the things we ought to be spending on. The other imperatives are so strong. Crime, 
unemployment, lack of school places, health care. Yes, but wouldn't you th make the argument that since tourism and travel is such an economic driver, that that would create jobs and create the money to provide health care? They do. They, they, uh, tourism actually does yeah. cre create jobs and employment and GDP and so forth. But it's not enough. The, the, the problem we have, the social and economic problems we have are so severe that what we get from tourism cannot tide us over. So what's, so what's the solution? <laughs> that's it one it for ain't the, bananas. That's, what, that's one for the politicians. Over the years, they have tried various forms of diversification. Um, there was a time when we relied on not just bananas, but manufacturing as well, okay? But the emphasis on manufacturing has waned um, because, again, of markets. There are now markets that produce stuff cheaper than we do. So people, instead of going, coming to St. Lucia, they would go to the Far East, for instance, you know, and set up shop, okay? Um, we tried financial services also. That, does, that did not make as much well, headway. The, the Cayman Islands is sort of beating out. Exactly. Yeah. There's so many other people doing it before us. The latest thing is what you call um, citizenship, economics citizenship. But again, a lot of islands have been there before us. And what economic citizenship is, if you have a lot of money and you want to become a citizen of St. Lucia and invest... You can actually buy the citizenship. That's right, yes, yes. I see that in a number of countries. That is happening right now. Yes. Yeah. I mean, let's ask the guys in Monaco, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, they've yeah. done it. Yeah. So, so we have an uphill, an uphill task, really. But the good news is, if there is good news, is during none of this time has the natural beauty of the islands been, been compromised. No. That is one of the positives that has remained with us. If you are continuing on to another Southwest destination, please make sure that you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information. If you are continuing on with another airline, we really don't care. I am a passenger. I always want to ask the locals all sorts of questions. My next guest is almost a local, dragged here by her husband. <laughs> And now refusing to leave, and the and a blogger of another rum pum, Angela Colby. How are you? Very well, thank you. Uh, okay, you were brought here because your husband was transferred here. No, um, he's the Mercedes Benz whisperer, and he'd be working in this region. Well, he's here. Yeah, and he's here, so he keeps getting job offers um, around the Caribbean, which is terribly hard for us, and we try and cope. And there's a GoFundMe. Oh, stop <laughs> it. But the, but the point is, you're having a good time. Absolutely. It's wonderful. Beautiful, beautiful island. And even though it wasn't your, your choice to come here, you're here. No, it wasn't. We were meant to be living in Tortola last year. In the year. BVI. Yeah, this is actually, this time last year, my husband had just landed, got, got us set up in a lovely house, and then two and a half weeks later, that house no longer existed. The island was absolutely devastated, and it, we're sitting there thinking, gosh, what do we do? And the firm here in St. Lucia called him up once they knew he was free, made him an offer he couldn't refuse, and here, and here we you are. are. I know. High and dry. It was. <laughs> Absolutely. So you're a recent expat, at least here. Yes, I am. Yes, but you I'm are. an old expat. I know you are. You're just, <laughs> you're just an island bouncer. I am. Uh... <laughs> you are. But I mean, what's special about this island for you? 
the people as well as it's well two things it's so beautiful and pretty just amazingly pretty and now also, by the way just to be devil's advocate every caribbean island's going to tell you that <laughs> they are all beautiful in their own different charms but this is something so beautiful and lush as soon as you arrive you're just struck by the pure beauty of it but it's the people for me i've never felt so at ease and welcomed, um, every, and everyone's genuinely nice, not forced nice like I've been in a lots of training for customer service. Genuinely nice, happy, laughing. Even um, grocery shopping's a delight for me. In what way? Well, there was one time and he went in for some shampoo, and we ended up having a song and a dance in the shopping aisle, <laughs> just chatting to the ladies. Um, everyone's nice. They get to recognise you. Was it the shampoo dance? No, no, it was a Rick Astley dance. But oh, oh, Rick Ast- now there's now you're pulling a name out. <laughs> yeah, never going to give you up. Rick Astley, <laughs> yeah, you know what? Rick Astley, one hit wonder from the '80s. Yes, it was one hit wonder in the '80s, in a um, hair salon shop, singing and dancing whilst I was getting my bottle of shampoo, as you do. And now you're there every Thursday night performing. Yeah, now that now they know me. <laughs> <laughs> They're ready for you yes. now. Okay, put on that old cassette tape. (laughs) All right, you say it's the people. Mm. What about the cost? Cost of living. After a couple of... This is my third Caribbean island, and although it's expensive compared to the UK, it's not quite as expensive as a couple of... I lived in Barbados, which was a complete shock to the wallet and the well, bank banks. Well, in, in some places in Barbados, you have to go get an estimate for Diet Coke. Oh, gosh, yes, absolutely. Uh, it was uh, a shock, an <laughs> absolute shock to uh, the bank. Um, then Aruba, which wasn't too bad, but some things I think what shock you most is grocery shopping, the cost of grocery shopping, because mm, a lot of produce is imported. So, you're an island. Yeah, you're an island. The thing is, try and hunt out local produce. Go to your local fruit and veg markets. You get to know people. You get your regular, like, I have, like, a lady from my eggs. I have a man who I get my mangoes from. You have a mango man? <laughs> I do. You have a mango man? Oh, I also have a coconut man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving this. I'm loving this. But here's the thing. You know, I always judge a place when you try, you know, it's not a question of how much is the airfare, how much is the hotel room, because you can basically budget that ahead of time. What people don't do is they don't budget local goods and services. How much is a tube of toothpaste? How much is a taxi ride? How much is a mango, Mm. right? And you need to know what the locals are paying for that so you can actually budget your trip accordingly, and there's no sticker shock. Oh, gosh, absolutely. Um, And you have a coconut. Whatever you think you need to bring, double it. Right. Yeah. But the rum is cheap and very, very good. That's okay, the main which, thing. which brings us back to the rum. <laughs> Were you a big rum drinker before? No. Because you did mention Barbados. Oh, yeah, they have a great uh, hello. rum. They, uh, Mount Gay, very, yes. very good. And also Foursquare, very good. I think they've got about three, four um, distilleries. So you are a rum aficionado. Oh, gosh, yeah. I drink rum like a Caribbean now. <laughs> a, a dash of Coke rather than it poured into the glass. The Coke is really the chaser. Oh, it's just a job. It's just a, a rum and a Coke. That's yeah, it. Right? That's it. <laughs> As a British expat, and now you're a professional uh, <laughs> British expat and rum aficionado. Of course. What are all some of the other challenges here that tourists don't understand when they get here? I mean, look, now that you've been here for about eight months, I'm sure all of your relatives are now going to come to visit you, and everybody you know on the planet is going to come say hello. 
What's the biggest surprise to them that, in terms of an adjustment for you? I think probably um, transport. Um, the buses here aren't like your European or large city buses. They're more like little vans, and it's just getting used to travelling around the island th- with one of those. Well, if you're in a little van, that makes makes me think you're going to end up having a conversation. Oh, you are very squashed. Um, I'm very what? It, yeah, you'll be very squashed. <laughs> <laughs> it's, call it very cosy and very intimate, but um, one of the fun elements is the music they'll play as well. So you'll get a real feel of travelling with the locals and get to know local music as well as tearing around a corner in a little van. And no Rick Astley. Yeah, <laughs> no, no Rick Astley. And now, bus timetables are um, kind of vague. They're ornamental. Yes, it is. They co- <laughs> the bus comes when the bus comes. Yes. And so that allows you to have another conversation with the other people waiting for the exactly. bus. Exactly. See? You get to know people. You get to know it people. Makes, the island makes you a friendly person because you've got to stand and chat. All right. Where do you go to hang out? Oh, gosh, all over the place. Um, I've been exploring lots of hotels and beaches because it's rude not to. And a lot of hotels here do day passes. So it's, it's fun to explore your home island, because it is my home now, as a tourist. Um, as well as we meet up, there's a great group of expats. Um, oh, I'm hearing rum. <laughs> yeah, rum on the beach. <laughs> um, um, we do days out at restaurants or um, we're all, all meeting up for brunch this weekend if anyone wants to join us. And um, beach days, when we just keep But when off. you actually meet for brunch, what do you order? Oh, well, it's... Don't uh, tell me it's a British breakfast. No, no. Um, well, I'm, I'm quite funny. I'll just have an omelette. That's it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm a with, fussy eater. With rum. Yes. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> rum and omelette. That's always, I think, that's the perfect pair. It's, it's great. Uh, what about Donkey Beach? Oh, that's a nice secluded... I, please don't tell you on that because that's I nice and did. I did, did. <laughs> It is, oh, it's one part of the island. It's lovely and wild and uh, very off the beating track. And um, you could be there and completely secluded and I can let the dogs off the leads and they can run around like loons. So it's a very cool little hidden beach. It is. And you can't drive straight to it. This is why it is almost off the beating track. Um, you've got to drive part way, and it's a bit of a hike and a walk, but it's worth it as How well. How did you find it? Um, I am an avid researcher, and I was obsessed with finding a beach where I could let my dogs run off like loons. And that's how you found it? Yes. Where would you go for lunch? Oh, the Naked Fisherman, which is a great... At at Cat Maison? Yeah, at Cat Maison. It's one of my favourite places for lunch. Why? Um, It's a, a lovely setting... Right by the sea, beautiful views, and the food, the grilled food, is so fresh and delicious. It will make you just want to go home and just eat barbecued food for the rest of the week. And rum. Oh, for rum. Okay, fine. <laughs> now, what kind of rum do you actually drink? Are you, are you drinking the really dark one? Oh, yes, yeah. I prefer the dark chairman's. And <laughs> <laughs> but I also, sorry, not so St. Lucia, my favourite favourite is El Dorado, 15 or 20 years, which is beautiful, just served on... Uh, uh, ice. Or a little rum tip is make ice cubes out of coconut water and just pour rum straight on that. Oh, wait, say that again? You make ice cubes out of coconut water? Yeah, fresh coconut water we can buy from the side of the road or the supermarkets here. And you just pour the rum over. Beautiful. I'm amazed you showed up at the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm amazed how I'm going to drive home. <laughs> <laughs> we may have to get you a designated driver. My God. And for dinner? 
Um, for dinner, oh god, well, this is the thing. There's so many restaurants to sort of uh, choose from. For dinner, I'd like something a little bit more informal. Um, gosh, spinnakers, I like it. The food is just nothing too fancy, but it, it's a setting. It's a beach setting where you can watch the sunset. And what are you going to order there? Again, I'm fussy because I'm a vegetarian, so I'll just have something rum. with cheese and rum. Cheese and rum. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I want to check in with you in about a month. <laughs> the charge for looking at this pamphlet is $3. The charge for looking at this pamphlet and putting it back quickly is $4. Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. Wherever I go, if you're going to immerse yourself in the culture, you really want to immerse yourself with someone who's a good storyteller, who can give you an idea of the history of the place, who can put things in proper context, give you perspective, and then allow you to be able to view the world as maybe they do and and enjoy what you're doing and enjoy that experience even more. And joining me now, he's defined as a cultural activist. His name, Hillary LaForce. Hillary, welcome to the show. But first, I've got to get down to a definition of terms. What is a cultural activist? Well, a cultural activist is one who is involved in the way of life of his particular country or his, the way of life of his particular vocation. And um, from the time of the, as a youngster, I believed in what is in Lucian. I like my country. And so every aspect of life of my country, I get involved. From farming to? From farming to banking to storytelling to being a cultural activist. Well, for those people listening to the show who may have not ever been here before, mm-hmm. what story would you like to tell them? Oh, great. First of all, St. Lucian is called the Helen of the West Indies. And the, the, the story behind this is... Um, Helen of Troy, you must have heard about Helen of Troy. Oh, yeah. This beautiful woman, okay? And uh, they, that, that story about Troy was, was um, trying to, there's all this fight between the two countries. And they use um, Helen as a, as, a, as a ploy to be able to get, <laughs> get to defeat one another. And so, because of her beauty, and so St. Lucia as a beautiful country, it's among the 10 most beautiful islands in the world. Okay, with the and everybody was fighting over it. Exactly. In fact, it is said that the French and the English fought 14 times to gain this lovely piece of island, lovely island. Put it this and way. It finally, what, the British won out. The British won out. Which is why you drive on the left side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> no, the right. You're quite right. We have on the left side of the road. The French drive on the right side. Yes, exactly. we, we got that part. Exactly. But 14 separate times. Four, 14 separate times. What were they yes. fighting for? Over this country, this lovely piece of island, this lovely island, this lovely eye, this lovely beaches, but were you stri- white sun. But were you strategic militarily? Well, I understand it's also strategic militarily because most of the British, uh, the war, uh, the various war areas was, less, was actually established in St. Lucia. We had what is called a very good harbor, okay, the places where they could hide from the enemy. 
they can see the enemy from a distance from a place called Mont Fortune. And so it is used for that purpose. It's very strategic in, in those days. And, of course, since the British run out, not only do you drive on the left side of the road, the Queen's on your currency. Exactly. So still. still our currency. <laughs> Although yeah. you're independent, but we're still a well, part of the Commonwealth, the British Commonwealth. You're still part of the Commonwealth, but you don't really have the traditional governor general anymore, do you? We still have a governor general. Yes, well, it's a governor general. It, and before it was a governor. That's what I'm saying, we, right. Yes, before we became independent, fully independent, we became uh, what is called, we had internal self-government in 1967. Okay? We called it statehood. And in those days, we had internal self-government. We could have actually say about our, our own affairs locally, but the British actually um, uh, they saw about our foreign affairs. affairs okay? And... In 1979, that's became, when you gained independence. We became we, we gained independence, February 22nd to be exact. So when and the Queen still has her Commonwealth meetings, your Prime Minister goes. Well, it's our Governor General actually. Ah, <laughs> we're back to the yes, Governor General exactly. already. Exactly. Okay. But that's really ceremonial, isn't it? Well, yes, it is. Uh, it's more or more or ceremonial basically because um, the Governor General doesn't have the kind of powers that the Prime Minister has. He just gets yeah. to dress up and have parties. I suppose that's one of the things. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the British yeah. won. Yes. Parties. Yes, parties and so on. Yeah. But when you think about it, do you actually, as a St. Lucian, owe you, think that you still owe your allegiance to the British? Um, well, <laughs> I don't think we should say we actually owe our allegiance to the, the British. I was, was a British subject, of course, when I was born. Of course. We're still under the... the but difference. you didn't have a choice. But, yeah, yeah, I had no choice. Okay, yeah. It's by virtue of the winning from the French, and then I became right. a British citizen. Uh, uh, well, they call it a, a British subject. But isn't it ironic that the British won out, but everything here is essentially French? Could you imagine this? Most of the names are in French. In fact, every country, every um, uh, district in St. Lucia is, is a French name. Castries is called a De Castries, after a gentleman called De Castries. Then we have Vieux with an old fort that's French. We have Chazelle, a name after, again, a French, another French person. Souffrier, again, after the Sulphur Springs, and it's also um, uh, a French name. Every name in this <laughs> place, except for recently, I'll say about 20 years ago, they began to use English names. Like what? Yeah, English names. Uh, recently, I got a, I got a name. I, I was quite amazed at that name. It was called, um, uh, it's what the English name called, how it's called again? Somewhere up in, um, in the north. Uh, uh, wow, I can't remember the name right now. Oh, Kippers. English. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. It but, wasn't yeah. but, but the point is, it must mm. really piss off the British because they, they won, but it's all French. Say that again? They won, but it's still all it's French. Still, it's still all French, exactly. <laughs> they won, but it's still all French, yes. Yeah. Uh, I love it. But, but great history there. Quite great history, right? I love it. Hilary LaForce, a cultural activist and a pretty good storyteller. Yes, very, very good indeed. Where are the wagons? The wagon is too slow. Can't you ride? It's not that he can't ride. How is it you put it home? They're dangerous at both ends and crafty in the middle. Why would I want anything with a mind of its own bobbing about between my legs? If you do any historical study about St. Lucia, it's going to take you about 4.5 seconds until you come up close and personal with Nobel laureate Derek Walcott. Um, and he's everywhere around the island when you think about it, as he should be. Joining me now is really one of the younger contemporaries of, of Mr. Walcott, John Robert Lee, author and poet. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Peter, for inviting me. What's the, the real history here that Walcott covered? What, what did he really embrace? I think Walcott embraced, well, the history but even more than the history, the colonial history, he embraced the culture, the people, the language, 
the landscape, the what makes St. Lucia, I think St. Lucia, I think the Creole cultures, as we would say, he embraced that in his plays and poetry. And the Creole culture is by definition a mix. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Right, so if, if you're going to describe it, you could yes. almost describe it any way you want. Well, yes, although any way you want, but then you'd have to take in, into consideration how the, the French and the English met together with the African traditions and then the East Indians came, the Europeans, to create something unique. Right, not to mention your language. Indeed, absolutely, which is the Creole. I know, exactly. which, by the way, I can never possibly even attempt yeah. to understand, so you can say anything you want about me and I'll never know <laughs> that. But, no. but the reality is when you start digging deep, Right? Yes. And you look at the trajectory of everybody who fought for this island yes. and fought over this island Indeed. and then laid in their culture along the way. It's amazing that there is an island when you think about it. Indeed, yes. And that we survived all of that. Yeah. But we survived and came out of it, if you want, a, a unique people in a sense. That, you know, the, the, the Europeans were here, the Africans yeah. came. That was then the East Indians came later. But we are a one nation today, made up of all these cultures intertwined. As a, there is a St. Lucian, as it were, and, and a St. Lucian culture. And as a poet, yes. and, and a verse man. Yes, indeed I am. I, I don't think you'd call the verse man of my life, but you know what I'm saying. Yes, yes. How would you describe to my audience, mm-hmm. in your own way, St. Lucia? Hmm. <laughs> That's a deep question. Um, in my own way, I think of words, music, Creole music, the Creole dances, the, uh, you know, what I get out of watching the dances, listen to the music, listen to the speech, living the life, not one word, but all these different words are, if you want, a, a gathering of sensations, of trying to understand what I as a solution, solution writer, I try to grasp and put into the lines and the rhythm of the lines in terms of the music I hear and the dances I see and the language. Because, you know, writers are always trying to give you a sense of place. Indeed. But you have Absolutely. to go beyond that to give me a sense of people. Absolutely. The people in the place, in the landscape, people walking, people singing, people living, um, people dancing. And people maintaining traditions. Yes, indeed. For instance, we do try our best to maintain our old Creole traditions. And so as people maintain the traditions, as I come back to, you know, the, the dancing, the food, the clothes, but just the, the interliving together in some way, the language we speak together with each other, how we cope with situations, how, how, how we work things out. And, you know, you mentioned work things out. Yeah. You take a look at the history of other islands not too right. far from here. Mm-hmm. They were still tribal. They were yeah. still fighting amongst each other. Mm-hmm. You had to figure out a way to work it out. Indeed. Absolutely, we had to. And it almost became perhaps even easier for you to do it because you had the, the French and the English fighting each other. Yes, you yes, kind of so stuck through the cracks. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly, in a sense. Yeah, that's what I think Walcott picked up and the writers pick up and the painters pick up. The, the uniqueness of how the two cultures coming together and yet allowed something new and fresh to, as it, as it, as it were, pass through the cracks, as it were, and to have a, Saint, a unique St. Lucian personality, I think, which is manifest in, in the culture in all kinds of ways. For someone who's never been to St. Lucia before listening yes. to the show, mm-hmm. what would be the biggest surprise for them when they got here? I think the beauty of the island, the f- sheer physical beauty. If they had not done some research on the net, look at some of the pictures. Just I don't want anybody to do research on the net. I just want them to experience <laughs> to come. it. Yeah. Exactly. I think the sheer physical beauty of the place is what strikes you. Some of the other islands are flatter, don't have the kind of mountains and hills we have. 
But that's what strikes you first. And then you walk through the streets, you begin to hear the language and see how the uh, people move around and talk to each other. And those things begin to seep into your consciousness, I believe. And do you describe yourself as a Caribbean, a St. Lucian? Which one? Well, I live in the parish of St. Lucia, <laughs> in, the, in the country of the Caribbean, and of course in the wider world. So I'm St. Lucian, but I'm very conscious of being a Caribbean person. I've been fortunate to have uh, studied at other, uh, on other islands, uh, friends all over the Caribbean. And I, I consider myself a Caribbean person. I come from the parish, if you want, of St. Lucia. But you're also quite worldly because you've had to yes. go outside to understand inside. Of course, absolutely. And the further you go outside, the better you appreciate where you've come from and what you're coming with and how you can bring a real contribution to the world you need outside with what you have. You've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast on the new location somewhere around the world. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be, because Survivor 46 is here, and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, Devaya Daris. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did, what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast, and to ask Jeff some questions because even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.